Welcome to episode 96 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, our last family trip of the summer. And this trip did not disappoint. We'll share the top five things we loved about our trip to the Oregon coast. Then on the Summit Gear Review, we'll share a hammock that's light enough to throw in your day pack and may even fit in your back pocket. Next on the Backpack Hack of the Week, a simple hammock hack that will keep you cocooned and snug on your next hammock hang. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. It seems like our summers have been getting busier and busier as our children have grown older. And, you know, it's fun. They get to go to camps and do high adventure and Cub Scout day camp. It's a lot of fun for our kids, but in some ways it almost leaves us grasping for family time. You know, where are we going to have that magical family backpacking trip that we're all going to remember from the summer of 2016? And it was really, really hard this summer to make the time to have that family backpacking trip. Before summer started, we looked at our calendars and we saw that we had a period of like three weeks throughout the summer that were not already scheduled with something that someone in our family needed to be at. And so before summer even started, we had to just tag one of those weeks and say, okay, that's the week we're doing our family backpacking trip. Otherwise, there would have been no family vacation this summer. It would have been a nice summer still. I mean, the kids would have had great memories, but some of the best memories are when we all get together and go traipsing up a hill with packs on our backs and we eat food that we don't normally eat at home. It's just there are some great things that happen when we go backpacking together. Because our summer was so busy, we had like a key goal for this trip, and that was that it had to be dead simple to plan. We didn't want to really put too much work and research into figuring out, you know, the, the itinerary, the, the gear we would need, all of that stuff. We really said, okay, what's a trip that we can take that is dead simple, that we can just pack the stuff that we have. There's not really going to be anything outside of things we've experienced before in terms of temperature, weather, terrain, stuff like that. Be nice and easy. And on top of that, we want the trip itself to not only be easy to plan, but easy on the trip. We wanted downtime. We wanted just a few miles of backpacking and then a whole lot of time to just sit, do nothing, play, you know, whatever we felt like, but to not have it scheduled. Yeah, we did bring something to do, which ended up being one of the highlights of the trip, which we'll talk about in our top five list. Um, another one of our goals for this trip was healthier food. And we joke a lot on the show and just in our family about what do we call it? Our, yeah, the box of calories. The bucket of calories. Bucket of calories. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, where it just has a ton of fattening sugar-filled food that we take with us on backpacking trips because it's a, it's a really easy way to get calories. 
And on this trip, we focused a little bit more on whole foods, cutting out some of the sugary stuff, processed stuff, and decided to go a little more natural. And then there's a priority that the kids gave us. They said, we want to go to the ocean. So super easy to plan. We wanted to bring healthier food options, and we needed to get to the ocean. And with those parameters, Josh picked Three Mile Lake, which was maybe a half a mile from the Oregon coast. So we got our fresh water at the lake, but then we had this incredible view of the Oregon coast. If you look at a map of the state of Oregon along the coastline, uh, you'll notice that Highway 101, the, the Oregon Coast Highway, runs within a couple hundred yards of the beach all the way up and down the state, except for in a couple areas where it goes a few miles inland from the beach. So really, those were the areas I focused on. I said, okay, if we're going to backpack and we want to be a couple miles away from the road and still be near the beach, that rules out most of the Oregon coast because the road is right next to the beach. So there were a couple areas. There's one up north of Tillamook and, uh, and around Tillamook as well, and another area further south in Oregon called the Oregon Dunes National Recreation Area. The highway gets to where it's a few miles inland, and then there's all this sand mixed with trees and, and other interesting things. And so that's the area I picked. And as I looked around in there, I saw a three-mile lake and a hike of two and a half miles. So that was perfect for our family. You know, our youngest is still uh, fairly young. And we knew that that would be a, a nice, easy hike that wouldn't be too strenuous for anyone in our family, that we'd be away from the crowds, away from the road, and we'd have that freshwater source, but be close to the ocean. So for today's top five list, we wanted to share the top five things we loved about this trip. And the number one thing was we went hammock camping with our entire family. Our first hammock camping trip was back in June with Jonathan from the Hang Your Own Hang podcast. And we just had two of our kids with us on that hammock camping trip. But this was the first time we'd taken our entire family. We left all the tents behind and everyone brought their own hammock. But the funny thing was we showed up, you know, to find a campsite by the lake. And what did we see? Lots of sand because we were in the dunes and we're like, we brought all these hammocks and we're surrounded by the perfect tent camping site. <laughs> you can just sculpt this sand to perfectly fit your body sleeping in a tent. <laughs> and so we really had to scout around for a while and we found just kind of a thicket of trees they were just a few inches in diameter, but it was enough. They were strong enough to hang hammocks on. And we had to carefully bend a few branches, trying not to break branches. We want to leave no trace. And we were able to somehow manage to set up our hammocks, all six of them, just in this thicket of trees that if you look at the before picture, you say, huh, I don't see where a hammock would fit there. But somehow we made it work. And it was kind of windy on this trip. During the day, the wind would really pick up, up to probably 10 to 20 miles an hour. And then in the nighttime, it would eventually die down, probably after midnight. Um, we were lucky, though, that uh, the forecast didn't really call for any rain. So our novice attempts to cover ourselves with tarps were okay, because we didn't have any sideways rain, or any perpendicular rain, for that matter, coming down on us. Yeah, the wind actually ended up being a little bit of a challenge on this trip because we were sleeping in hammocks. 
intense, it's less of a challenge because you have these walls protecting you. But with hammocks, the wind just cuts right through and can really chill you quickly. And for insulation in our hammocks, we just use pads. And it seems like everyone slept really well, except for me. I was a little bit cold the first night. And then the next morning we woke up and the kids were just kind of bumming around the sand in the forested area. And they found an old closed cell foam pad, which I quickly snatched and used as a secondary layer of insulation in my hammock. It was great. It cut the wind really well and um, just provided that extra edge of warmth that I really needed. The number two thing that we loved about this trip was that we finally had success with solar power. We've been really trying to figure out charging electronics on the trail because we bring a camera and sometimes we'll use our smartphones for navigation and maps and things. And it's just been, we've really had a hard time figuring out this recharging challenge because you can bring the battery packs and they're kind of a single use thing until you get back home and recharge them again. You bring solar panels, and we've had really bad luck getting enough power out of solar panels here in the Pacific Northwest, where it's often cloudy. <laughs> but last month at the Outdoor Retailer Show, Heather picked up a new solar panel, uh, very similar to the Enerplex uh, Kicker IV panel that we already have, uh, similar size and everything, but it seems to put out about double the power. I've got a little current meter that I plug in, and then I connect something to it to charge it. And and I was getting double the power out of it, uh, just testing in our backyard. So I was pretty excited about that. The funny thing is the panel has absolutely no identification on it. And we can't for the life of us remember what company gave it to us. Yeah, it was one of those things where I walked up to the booth and the guy said, oh, would you like to just, you know, try this small panel and you can see how you like it. Yeah, there was no identification on it. It is a total mystery to us. But all I can think is that hopefully everyone in the solar industry is kind of moving forward at the same pace and that this uh, this little solar panel that we tried is an indication of the direction that things are going, that everyone's improving, technology's improving, and solar will be a real, you know, a realistic option for people going on backpacking trips. The number three thing that we loved about this trip, and this was probably the most surprising thing of all for Josh and I, was fishing. We don't go fishing. We don't. I have caught um, a trout at a trout farm before when I was like nine years old. That's about it. And my dad goes fishing all the time and we enjoy those fish on our dinner table. Uh, but I never picked it up from him. I just it's something I never took to. But we have one of our children who just has always really wanted to try fishing. And we've been learning a little bit about Tenkara fly fishing lately. It's really intriguing because it's so simple. It's a very lightweight rod with just a fixed length of line on the end and then a fly. There's no reel. Uh, there's no, you know, the like the casting it out from a reel type stuff. Yeah, there's uh, no bobber, no worm, no bait or sticky stuff. Just a, a stick, a line, and a fly. It's very, very zen, very basic. So it's very intriguing, but at the time of our trip, we didn't have a Tenkara pole yet, and our son really wanted to go fishing. So we went to the local store, I bought some fishing line, and we bought some hooks with these little rubbery worm-looking things on them, and we stuck it in our packs. And when we got to Three Mile Lake, our son found a stick, and we tied 
probably 10 feet of line onto the end of the stick and then put on the hook with the fake plastic worm thing and handed it to him and thought, well, that'll keep him busy for a while. And then to our surprise, what was it, like a minute later? Yeah, it was about a minute later. I was shocked. He had a perch on the hook. I couldn't believe it. And this kept happening like the whole time we were there. The kids would just wade out into the water and it was this shallow, sandy beach. They'd go out till they were up to maybe their knees in the water, and then they would, quote-unquote, cast this stick rod and line out there a few feet and just kind of dangle it around a little while, and then they'd catch a perch. Yeah, it was like hillbilly tenkara. I mean, just a stick <laughs> with some line and a little plastic worm, and it had glitter in it. Fancy stuff, but they were catching fish. It was incredible. Our 11-year-old caught 10 fish that day. And we weren't familiar enough with the fishing, you know, regulations. So we were just like, oh, you got to release it. You got to toss it back. It's not big enough. Um, And then when we came home, we read about fishing regulations and found out that in our area, well, at least the area that we were fishing in with the kids, there's no limit on perch and there's no length minimum on perch. So we could have kept everything that we caught. We could have had this incredible feast. But we did have some great food with us because... Because of the number four thing that we loved about this trip. And that was that we did a 180 degree turn on Pop-Tarts, Snickers, and Cheesy Mac. We just decided to go healthy. And I can't say this is like a permanent thing because the kids are going to want to have their peanut butter M&Ms on the next trip. And, but really, for this trip, it was a complete experiment. We also decided to go stoveless. And I don't know why we made that decision, too. I think we kind of just wanted to lighten up and simplify. Yeah, this was all about simplifying, making things super easy, not only for planning the trip, but for taking the trip. And so we thought... If we can leave the stoves home and we don't even need to cook our meals, we just pull them out and eat them. Well, that sounds simple. All right. Well, for breakfast, we had overnight oats and dried peaches. And then for lunches, we had some whole wheat tortillas and some Justin's almond butter packets, which those are fantastic because they don't leak. and It's like the perfect serving size. They're so good. Um, we also did some like tuna wraps where we did tuna and mayo along with the whole wheat tortillas. So it was just kind of a little sandwich bar for lunch, I guess. Then we also had trail mix. Then for dinner, we did one of our backpack hack of the week hacks, which was bulgur that we just rehydrated with water. And it's basically one to one. You wait for 90 minutes. So a cup of bulgur, a cup of water, wait until it's completely rehydrated and then add all of your other mix-ins. And on this trip, the mix-ins were smoked sardines with oil, like they're packed in oil. And then we crumbled in some cheddar cheese as well. So if you want to do the bulgur wheat dinner, check out episode 85, the backpack hack at the end of that episode. And we gave some ideas for mix-ins too. It's just one of those foods that's infinitely adaptable. You can do so many things with it. And then for snacks on the trail, we did things like corn nuts, trail mix. We did homemade dried bananas, which are more chewy than the traditional fried banana chips that you get at the store. We discovered a new combination of trail mix that we just loved, and that was chocolate chips, walnut pieces, and then cranberries that are cherry flavored. It's really good. 
Now, there was just one downside to our <laughs> healthy food experiment. It wasn't the healthy food experiment that had a downside. It was okay, the drive there. <laughs> yeah, here's what happened. We packed enough food for uh, a trip of um, two nights. So basically, uh, two of each meal for the family of six. The problem was we had the food in our van where we could get to it during the three-hour drive to the trailhead. And so as we drove down the Oregon coast, our family decimated almost all of our trail food. Our breakfasts and our dinners were still there, and everything else was, well, mostly gone by the time we got to the trailhead. And so it turned out on day, I think the end of day two, um, we had very little food left. On the morning of day three, what was it we had that morning? It was very meager, and the kids hiked out really quickly. It was like we had... Um, was I remember that we shared a few sunflower seeds that we had left over. <laughs> that makes it sound really <laughs> pitiful. You know, every person getting two sunflower seeds. It was better than that. I think we had enough food so that everyone felt like they got like a handful's worth of food. But, you know, we have two teenage boys. And I guess no matter how much food you pack, you will always need more food than that just to feed the teenagers. So I guess, yeah, if we could have done that trip over, I would have packed twice as much food and maybe put the teenagers in charge of packing their own food. Our daughter wants to do that on the next trip. She yeah. said, I'll, I'll just pack all my own food. I'd yeah. love to do that. So we're going to let her do that. We'll, just give her, uh, we'll give her a little bit of a budget for uh, her part of the food and let her plan and pack and prepare all of it. After we hiked back out to the trailhead, we hit the nearest subway that we could find <laughs> and ordered a bunch of sandwiches, and we gobbled them up in no time flat. It was embarrassing how fast we <laughs> And we hopped back in the van and kept driving another couple hours, and we were like, we are still hungry. <laughs> so then we stopped at a Dairy Queen, and we got blizzards for everybody to kind of top off the, the calorie needs. It was just... Yeah, we learned our lesson. So, so much for the healthy eating, but it was a good lesson and the blizzards were great. So <laughs> the number five thing that we loved about this trip was beach access at the ocean and at the lake. There was sand everywhere. And so we were barefoot most of the time. You know, if it had been maybe 80 degrees and sunny, it would have felt very tropical, but uh, it was more like 58 degrees and windy and cloudy, but still, it was so much fun to be on the sand and to build a fire on the sand and kind of, you know, burrow your feet under really close to the fire so they get all toasty, and that was just really enjoyable. You and I both wore our Zero Shoes, which, by the way, we reviewed in last week's episode, and they were perfect for this hike because when we got to the dunes, we could just hike right through, and it was great. At camp, most of us just ran around barefoot the whole time. And in fact, on the hike out, two of our kids hiked barefoot all the way back out. And of course, we were right next to the ocean. So every night when we went to sleep, we would hear the crashing of the waves. It's kind of like sleeping on an airplane a little bit. You know, <laughs> right. At yeah, first, you're like, whoa, that's loud. And then as you fall asleep, everything fades to black and you can't hear anything. This was really a great trip. I'm really happy with how it turned out that it was just such an easy trip to plan. 
It was filled with all these little mini adventures, you know, from the fishing to the hammock camping to even running out of food. It kind of created this, I don't know, mini emergency and everyone kind of pulled together and sacrificed and we were never in any real danger. And of course, we had that whole pond full of fish next door. So if anything, you know, truly bad happened, we would have been completely fine. But what a memorable trip. It was a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that we were able to get out before the end of summer. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Hummingbird Hammock. And the size that we tested out was the Single Plus, which is just a little bit larger than the Single, but it provides a little more length, a little more width. It's a little bit more comfortable. So this hammock is made out of reserve parachute fabric and is one of the most compact hammocks that I've ever seen. It stretches out to 120 inches by 64 inches, but it packs down into the size of a Big Mac hamburger. I mean, can you think of a healthier option, Josh? (laughs) Maybe a small to mid-sized eggplant? Yeah, a cantaloupe. Whoa, 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 no, whoa. smaller than that. Yeah, way smaller. Yeah, you're right. It's smaller than that. Yeah, uh, yeah, an eggplant. Maybe. A very large navel orange. I mean, it's, it's incredible how small it packs down. And one of the unique things about this hammock is that instead of having a traditional hard carabiner, like you see on lots of other different hammocks, this actually comes with soft carabiners, which are made of spectra cord. Spectra is the same technology as Kevlar, and they use 1,500-pound Spectra cord to create these soft carabiners. And it's really something, at first glance, you look at it and you're like, there is no way that's going to hold up the weight of my body. But it's, it's rated to hold 1,500 pounds, which is actually way overkill because the hammock itself will hold about 350 pounds. One of the reasons that they use soft carabiners is that they're impossible to crossload. So if you look at a normal hard carabiner, the rope is supposed to fit into those grooves that are in the hard carabiner. Well, if you ever get slack in your ropes or in your hammock and the carabiner twists sideways, well, then you don't have the strength of the carabiner. You just have that little gate and that doesn't hold very much weight. And so you kind of get this, well... It's called cross-loading, where the carabiner is twisted. Well, with the soft carabiners, they are actually impossible to cross-load. So it makes them even safer than the hard carabiners when it comes to hammock camping. Not recommended for mountain climbing, just for hammock camping. When you first use a soft carabiner, you'll stare at it for a minute and say, something's missing here. This thing can't possibly connect to my tree strap. I don't see a way. And then if you follow the instructions... It's just this ingenious little kind of a wrap and a twist, and it's connected. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really brilliant. As far as mass goes, the Hummingbird Single Plus weighs 7.6 ounces, or 210 grams. Like we said, it's about the size of a Big Mac, which would be 6 inches by 4 inches by 2 inches. And then with every hammock, you're going to want to purchase tree straps. This is something you can either make yourself or you can buy tree straps. The tree straps that Hummingbird Hammock sells weigh only 2.1 ounces for their ultralight tree straps. And those also make use of this incredible 1,500 pound spectra cord. These straps are also ingenious. 
uh, they use what's called a whoopee sling. And, you know, you're looking at it and saying, wait a minute, this is just, this is scarcely bigger than a string. How is this supposed to hold 300 plus pounds in the hammock? And then it does. It's amazing. But the, the whoopee sling is, you know, this piece of, uh, of line that has been spliced back into itself in such a way that uh, if you lit up on the tension, you can slide the line. It's kind of one piece inside of another piece. And then as soon as you put tension on it, it all clamps down and it won't slide a bit. So like a Chinese finger trap. Is that what they call them nowadays or is it insensitive? <laughs> it's a bamboo finger trap, I guess. Like where you stick your fingers in and then when you try and pull them out, they're stuck. So yeah, same principle. And total weight for the hammock plus the straps is 9.7 ounces. That's amazing. If you've used another hammock before, and you look at the hummingbird hammocks, like Josh said, you're just going to look at it and be like, uh... Yeah, something's missing here. This can't possibly missing. be everything. <laughs> right. And it's so, um, so thin, so light, so like you just feel like something's not right, but it's incredibly well built. And one of the cool things about all of the innovation that's gone into hummingbird hammocks is that all of the designs are open source. So you can go on to Hummingbird Hammock's website and find out exactly what went into creating this product. I went there and it's not like a recipe where it says, step one, cut your fabric to these dimensions. <laughs> step two, add baking powder. It's, it's more um, for people who know what they're looking at. And I have no idea how to read those files. Yeah, so you can download the CAD or computer-aided design files. you got to know what to do with them, but it's all there. In other words, you can make your own hammock that's an exact duplicate of what Hummingbird Hammocks sells, and they are just okay with that. And this is from their website. It says, Why would we want to give away designs for free? We believe ideas and designs should be shared so that others may benefit from them, be inspired to make something new, or contribute an idea that leads to a better or more useful product. I love it. I just love the collaborative attitude, like that we have something to offer them and they have something to offer us and together we'll be able to make a better product. For maintenance, the fabric on the Hummingbird Hammock Single Plus is not UV resistant, so it will eventually break down just like everything. <laughs> So don't leave your hammock hanging in the sun all day. Take it down when you're not using it. And then if you need to wash your hammock, just wash it in cold or room temperature water. Um, you can also just kind of spot clean it if you need to. But really, for the most part, you're not going to need to clean your hammock unless it's obviously dirty. You don't need to throw it in the wash every time you get home. And then just make sure that you hang your hammock to dry and allow it to dry completely before repacking it. For investment, the Hummingbird Single Plus is $80. And then if you wanted to get those ultralight tree straps, those are $30. Let's talk about trial. Uh, this is the one that you used on our Oregon Coast trip just a few weeks ago. I loved how compact this entire hammock was. Everything fits into this tiny little bag. I mean, you can even fit the tree straps into the hammock bag if you are very clever. You can get it 
all to fit. And then you just have this tight little wad that takes up very little space in your pack. It's amazing. One of the things that I learned from our friend Jonathan at the Hang Your Own Hang podcast is that comfort in a hammock comes from the length of the hammock because then you can stretch out and um, it's, it's just more comfortable to have a longer hammock as opposed to a wider hammock. So this single plus gives you a little bit more length, about 15 inches more length and about 15 inches more in width. I'm about average height for a woman, and so I probably would have been fine with the single instead of the single plus. But definitely for someone over six feet, four inches, they're going to want to get the single plus because that will just increase your comfort and really give you the space that you need to stretch out and you won't feel cramped at all. If you feel comfortable going with just the single hammock, uh, you can save a couple ounces. It's only 5.2 ounces instead of 7.6. Okay, 7.6 is crazy light, but you can get a hammock that's 5.2 ounces if it fits. So the one thing that I noticed that was different from my other experiences in a hammock was that the sides don't go up as far. So... On our first hammock camping trip, I really felt like the sides of the hammock were, um, I guess, more of a cocoon around me. And with this, the walls just dropped by about 50%. And so there was a little less coverage. I felt like things were open a little more. And so it definitely gave me a more open experience. Okay. So I guess that'll just kind of depend on your personality and your preferences as to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But you can't beat the weight and the compactness. I mean, wow. Well, I'm a minimalist. And so this hummingbird hammock really impresses me because of how minimalist the design is. Yeah. And the adjustability is great. The weight is great, simple to use, and it's extremely comfortable. Well, speaking of a hammock in terms of it being like a cocoon, takes us right to today's backpack hack of the week. Yeah, this was a hack that I learned from our kids. They all four of them turned their hammocks into little cocoons. It was so adorable. So all hammocks that I know of come with an attached stuff sack that you can stuff your hammock into when you're done using it. So usually it hangs like right in the middle on the side of the hammock. So you can like put your glasses in there or you can put your phone in there. It's just like this handy little pocket. And when you're ready to pack up, then you just stuff your hammock in there. But this little attached stuff sack also has another incredible use. If you put something heavy in the pocket, like my kids used sand, that pocket then acts like a weight and you can throw it over, like cross it over you and let the stuff sack fall on the other side. So it makes this little cocoon and it covers you completely. It's really cool. So you put something heavy into the stuff sack and then you sling it across over to the other side of the hammock. And now you are completely wrapped inside of your hammock. And there's just this little spot where you might peek your head out. That's about it. All four of the kids slept that way. It was just so cute. One of the kids even suggested maybe sewing magnets into the hammock to keep it closed because they like that feeling of being all snuggled in. But this is a really cool hack that makes you feel just cozy and snug in your little hammock. Well, we've talked a fair bit about hammocks on this episode. 
episode 90, uh, which was back in August, was a focused episode all about hammock camping. So if you missed that one and you're interested in figuring out how to hammock camp when you're out backpacking, check out episode 90. Plus, you'll also want to check out the Hang Your Own Hang podcast. We got together with Jonathan from the Hang Your Own Hang podcast this summer, and that's how we got our first overnight hammock camping experience. We went on a backpacking trip with Jonathan by Mount Hood here in Oregon and spent the night there with equipment that he brought, and he showed us how to set it up and everything. Well, the most recent episode of the Hang Your Own Hang podcast came out uh, just last week on September 6th. And that's all about that trip that we had with Jonathan and our experience learning how to hammock camp. So check out Hang Your Own Hang podcast. It's uh, hyohpodcast.com or just look for it in your podcast app and check out the uh, episode from September 6, 2016. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, David Cooper. He said, I feel so independent now. I can get anywhere I want to. I have the few essentials I need. And the few other things I need or want, I can derive from the land. Do you think he was talking about fishing? I don't know. But if it's trout, it has to be at least eight inches long. Or under 20. (laughs) That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then grab a t-shirt at thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Welcome to episode 96. 96. What was made of a number? (laughs) Hold on. The fabric on the Hummingbird Hammock Single Plus is not UV resistant. Okay. That was awkward.